0: Resentment is like, in my opinion, the worst thing that, the worst seed that can be planted in a time of grief for a community or a family. And that's not on anyone else to know what we need. It's not on anyone else to take on the burden of our anger or our frustration. But that container to express it in a a safe space is required to let it go. So we're not carrying it forward. And so, I, yeah, it is just like such a balance of like making sure that we're doing that. So we're not carrying the weight of those things, but not letting that be, consume our experience of the gift that is in front of us that we're moving forward with.
1: Death is a vital part of life. It initiates us into change. It is inevitable. We face our fears and enter our death portals, shedding old skins and ways of being, grieving our losses, and re-emerging anew. I'm Ellen Wong. I'm a storyteller and entheogenic death companion. I invite you to enter this portal of discovery with me. And together, let's break our fearful silence and uplift our stories of death and grief so that we can all be inspired to live our lives loud. Welcome to Mom. Hey y'all, welcome back to MUM. And today I am really honored to welcome a guest that is very, very dear to me. Um, her name is Samantha Williams. And those of you who tuned into my other podcast, new will know Sam. Sam was my co-host, and she has also been my ride-or-die partner in crime since we both left the agency world together back in April of 2018. We've been on this journey together, and I have had the honor of witnessing Sam go through so many life changes just as she has witnessed in me too which is always present whenever you go on these cycle breaking journeys that start off i feel like very unconsciously and then over time because you slowly begin to open yourself up to all the gifts that are around you in these journeys learning what it feels like to receive these gifts and to start to develop a closer relationship with your body and your your intuition. It's just, it's been a wild ride, to say the least. And so it brings us to today with this particular conversation, which is really about where Sam is currently at in her journey of growth and evolution and in discovering herself as a healer and facilitator and companion i want to read out what sam describes her role as because i feel like this is something that i haven't seen very much of and it is a new territory that sam is walking into that feels so aligned to who she is as a a human being in this particular lifetime so sam goes by the pronoun she her And she's a Reiki master and certified channel with a very profound calling to provide companionship and advocacy to both special needs children and their families. And this is very much inspired by her own journey with her nephew, Jackson, which this conversation is going to be centered around. As a compassionate witness and guide, she integrates energy healing and spiritual mentorship supported by rituals for physical, emotional, and spiritual self-care to nurture both the individuals as well as the family unit and foster compassionate communication through a network of support that creates space to celebrate each child's unique gifts and journey. I really feel Sam's heart just even in this description, and I think being by her side as she became an aunt as Jackson was born, and witnessing her stepping in to support Morgan and Ben, her sister and brother-in-law, as they navigated becoming parents for the first time, and then also witnessing what they were experiencing as Jackson began to have seizures that, I think, again, just witnessing Sam really stepping in to support her family a really difficult thing not knowing if their child was going to be developing in a way that our society deems as quote unquote normal and all the feelings that come up from that the fear and the sadness the grief of what perhaps was a perception or an expectation of this life or Maybe not even an expectation, but a hope for what this little new life would be. And I think grieving a lot of what I would imagine parents who just want their child to be able to function smoothly in a really difficult world. Um, Just honoring the grief that comes from that when your child is given these special circumstances i know some of you maybe many of you either have a special needs child of your own or know of a special needs child and so i want us to step into this conversation with a little extra tenderness a little extra sensitivity in honoring what this may bring up as we listen to sam's story Go ahead and close your eyes if you're in a place where you can. And just take a nice deep breath in through your nose. Gently sighing that breath out with gratitude to the earth. Honoring that we truly have everything we need. Here's Sam. I knew that we were going to have this conversation. <laughs> I knew when I had the idea for this podcast, like, I don't know, months ago, I guess, you know, right after we got back from Costa Rica, I just knew that you were going to be my first guest, even though it wasn't going to be necessarily recorded as you're my first guest, (laughs) but I was like, all right, Sam's going to be the first person on this podcast. Um, And I just feel like it's always divine timing because, yeah, it's like, what we had originally talked about, even in Costa Rica, your family was going through this moment of your grandfather dying, and you also just being this presence with your family in anticipating a lot of the grief that was going to be just there, that it was gonna surface through mourning your grandfather and then we were talking a lot about that in Costa Rica, even like what it means to, you know, go through this experience and the messiness of that experience and like how your family got together um, and kind of sorted through a lot of memories and kind of had this really beautiful moment together as a family of connection and kind of telling old stories and, and allowing these stories to hold you guys through that grief and that mourning period too. And so I came into this thinking that that's what we were going to be talking about. <laughs> and I love it because the universe is like, nope, actually, you know, like hard left. <laughs> we're going to yeah. go somewhere else, you know. So I just want to say thank you, first of all, for for like agreeing to be here and sharing, you know, what's present for you right now. And even before we dive in, I just like, because of what we were kind of talking about a little bit before we hit record, I just want to like I just want to do a shout out and honor oh. the messiness. The messiness that is always a part of these stories and to give us both permission to be fucking messy in all of it. And um yeah, we'll start there. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, first of all, thank
0: you so much. I am so honored to be here. <laughs> and um to be honest, like the I mean, everything is so divine like I was feeling a lot of resistance to oh my gosh should I reschedule this interview to next week when i'm back in California, it was made very clear to me that they're like the timing of this is very specifically happening now. Um, So yeah i'm just grateful to be here and grateful to be able to process all of this stuff in one of our many, many, many conversations <laughs> about life and death and grief and um, yeah, it
1: just keeps getting fucking messier. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. All right. Let's, let's dive in and let's just talk a little bit about what's been happening um, with your nephew, Jackson.
0: Yeah, so Jackson is now two and a half almost exactly. Um, and he was diagnosed after his first birthday with a really rare neurological condition called hemimegalencephaly, so H- HME. Um, and it's this condition that typically is diagnosed in utero because the presentation of it is often very obvious so it's like one side of the brain um doesn't function properly and so it uh it doesn't stop growing when it's supposed to and then the corresponding side of that body is also enlarged typically um so jackson's presentation of it was incredibly rare uh and which is why it took over a year for him to get diagnosed and he was diagnosed when he got um COVID actually, and he was in the hospital and they had him, you know, hooked up to some tests and just ran an EEG to make sure everything was okay. And realized that he was having, um, infantile spasms, which is a form of seizures. Um, and then upon further tests realized that it wasn't just epilepsy that he had HME. Um, so we have spent the last year just in the dark. (laughs) really I mean we've worked so hard Jackson's worked so hard to he's been in every therapy you can think of like physical therapy occupational therapy speech therapy feeding therapy and he's doing remarkably well um which I think is why what happened this summer sort of caught all of us off guard um especially because my grandfather passed in April and so My mom had been planning his memorial, which was at the end of August. um, So not very long ago. Um, And we really thought like, okay, that was the big thing we had to get through this summer. (laughs) Jokes on us. (laughs) So, So Jackson, he has been going in for monthly EEGs just to see, so they can track the progress of it. Because I won't get into like all the medical specifics, but long, you know, long story short, if he his his seizures continue or, or his infantile spasms specifically were to come back, um, then you know doctors typically move to the next treatment, which is surgery. So what they do is they open up the brain and they take out, they disconnect the um, diseased part of the brain and they remap the brain. Um, with the lobes that are still working on the side that's still working. And then, um, typically that resolves, like, you know, some kids have this disease and they have um, like 200 seizures a day, you know, on a really bad day, Jackson was having like 20. Um, so long story short, his last EEG, which we were not expecting these results at all came back and showed that his infantile spasms had come back. Um, and so there was a big discussion around the medication that they wanted to put him on for that because there's a big, bl- there's a huge like black box warning around it if- because it causes peripheral blindness permanently. Oh, wow. Um, so. <sighs> when we found that out, not only were we all of a sudden again, talking about the medication when, it, when, and here's the thing is like, these are all happening. This is all happening in the background activity of his brain right now. So like he, we're not seeing visible seizures. And in fact, what Morgan is seeing my sister and all of us is like tremendous progress with his therapies and his development. So this really caught everybody off guard and, um, you know, all of a sudden surgery was back on the table. And now, it just like everything has been. There's like just a huge rupture in everything that everyone is is, is experiencing, and they um, reached out for a second opinion. Actually, there's a team at UCLA that specializes not only in hemispherectomies but HME. But again, this this condition is so rare that even the team that specializes in it has only seen 55 cases in the last 30 years. Mm. So you really, it's just, there's so much unknown around what is next, but when they did look at Jackson's test results, um, you know, their team recommended something completely different than the team here in Denver did. And they, you know, they were saying children who have HME with hemi hips specifically, um typically the medication tends to just be like a ban- temporary band-aid and then the kids fall behind again. And then, you know, so it's better to do the surgery sooner than later. And they recommend actually, like the doctors here were like, we won't touch him until he's had two failed medications. And they're very they're a little bit more old school. Um and the doctors at UCLA are a little bit more aggressive in like considering surgery as an option. Um So they also happened to mention to my sister and and my brother-in-law when they were talking about it that um, typically they recommend trying to get the surgery before the child turns two because then they have a higher chance of recovering all their functionality. Um, And Jackson's two and a half now. Oh, whoa. So yeah, and this all happened as of last Thursday. And like, (laughs) I don't even know, it's Tuesday today. So in like five days. The last five days with this is what we've been processing. Um, and like the the medical the medical piece of it, I don't think is so important other than just to give everybody a background of like how many moving pieces there are that everybody is navigating right now. but um, it's just like more an illustration of the insurmountable uncertainty, uncertainty in this situation um and so when this happened i really found myself just sitting with everyone in the family and just like holding this container for them to offload their fears and what they're grieving and um you know all the things that come through So, so long story short, again, now he is in the next two to four weeks, they're going to be flying out to LA and I'm going to be meeting them there. And the team is going to do a whole nother round of tests there. And then they'll come up with a recommendation on how to proceed forward. But at the end of the day, we're talking about brain surgery on a child. Like there's no guarantees one way or the other, um, you know, and it's like, that piece of it, I think, has been the hardest thing for the family, for our whole family to grieve. Um, And honestly. It was just a lot of sitting with and like trying to process, you know, I think um, as a mother, my sister was devastated, not only because of now these this path forward that we're considering, but also because, you know, that there was a lot of, like heaviness to uh, like a year ago, I followed the doctor's recommendations and we did what we thought was best. And now here we are having this conversation where should we have done this a year ago? Like, how could you know? Right, right. Um, so that sucks.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: That really <sighs> sucks and like, It was interesting because I like when I very first found out I was just sitting outside and I was thinking about it and I was like. We worked so hard, like he's walking now as of just this summer and we're saying, you know, and he's not talking yet, but he's communicating. He's using baby sign like his progress is just rolling forward Um, and we worked so hard, waited so long to get to the point where he could walk. And in essence, he's going to have to learn everything all over again, um, with this surgery. So Morgan and I both had this moment where we were like, Oh my God, we worked so hard to get here. And now we're going to do it again, except now this time, he's not a little baby. He's two and a half feet tall, and he weighs 30 pounds. Like, (laughs) um, So it just was like, you know, there's the uncertainty, there's everyone in the family processing their own grief differently. Um, Some of us more able to speak about it than others. Some of us not able to say the right thing, Um, you know, like just because, you know, my parents, We just went through this whole process with my parents and my grandfather's memorial. And I, you know, I was having this, I sat down and had conversations with my mom, like, hey, like, how's your heart today? How are you feeling? And just like, there's a lot of expectations and projecting on everyone else and like judgment about how everyone is handling their own grief. That is, sucks. It just fucking sucks. Um, I sent you. You posted that thing, that article um, about the wisdom of uncertainty. Like literally, when I was sitting outside, having like thinking about like, oh my god, we're gonna start. We're gonna be starting at the beginning again. Um, and like, it just was this this beautiful, beautifully written article about how if we allow ourselves to open up to what is unfolding in front of us. And we stop just only focusing on the results. Like there's a freedom and a peace in that, um, which I think is like, honestly, it feels like that's where I am. And I think I'm even having guilt about having that, um, because like, I know whatever direction this unfolds is Jackson's path is where he's meant to go um so m- my sister had asked me to do like a healing an energy healing session for him on sunday and i was like oh it's funny that you asked me that i'm actually going like the mushrooms have have called me and i'm going to be sitting with them and i'm going to be journeying with jackson and i called him in and you know i went out and i put my offering out in the land and i called in all, our, all of our ancestors and like our guides and the angels. And <clears throat> I just asked to know just to know his journey better and how we can support him. And it was so deep. Um so much came through. It took me a very long time to process and I'll be integrating it for, you know, years probably this journey. But it was interesting because when I was like when I first started to sit and get the visuals and it was like I had this um like this pull on the back of my the bottom of my left rib cage and it was like an emptiness like like a void and when I and when I really tuned into it it was like this feeling of just wanting things to be any way other than they are Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and like I could feel my energy in that certainly but it was so much of the family you know it was like everyone in our family the whole group um and i just sort of sat with that and i was like yeah it was it was like a, and i thought about it for a while and i was like this is this isn't like oh i wish things were different this is a feeling of like 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 a wanting for just a craving for something other than it is but not like a need because there's also this sense of acceptance of like okay this is where we are Mm -hmm. um and then (sighs) it was really profound actually because it was like I could feel I felt like we were all sitting around this puzzle at in one at one moment and you know this is all still tuning into that energy that I was feeling in on my back and it was like all the pieces of the puzzle were coming together and there was just one piece left that hasn't gone in yet and it was like everyone willing and pulling and trying to draw Jackson over to finding the right piece to putting the piece in and completing the puzzle like whatever that is you know it's like check all the boxes your development and you know go through this path like what is normal Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. quote unquote normal even though like now i believe i don't even i'm like eliminating that word from my vocabulary (laughs) um and at the same time i could feel jackson like to the front right of me and When I tuned in with his energy and I connected with him it was like this I don't even know how to explain it because like there's a video you can google uh or you can watch on youtube of fractal images and it's like a 10 hour video of like that's what I see in visuals a lot when I'm journeying with the mushrooms but those images are three-dimensional images Mm -hmm. I could see Jackson's frequency in these like sacred geometry patterns and fractals in five and six dimension dimensional images. And they were like immutable and like glowing and glorious and constantly changing. And he was just like this waterfall of these like incredible frequencies and colors and lights. And just like this, just magical gift to the world. And, um, And I realized in that moment that it was like, okay, we're over here talking about a fucking puzzle and like Jackson's playing chess, (laughs) but he's not even playing chess. It's like so much bigger than chess. He's like, he's, he's like living in a five-dimensional, six-dimensional world, experiencing things in this reality with us that we can't even begin to wrap our minds around. And, It it was like, I could feel that in trying to really just will him back to completing this puzzle, what actually was happening is we are getting distracted from like the gift that is this incredible child in front of us and his experience, no matter what direction they choose to go with this surgery is so far beyond ours in the best way and like there was this point where i could really feel like i felt almost trapped in my body like i felt like i was inside this like cube and i couldn't move and like this deep frustration and realizing like like, there are going to be a lot of moments like that for jackson in the coming year Mm. and maybe even the coming couple of years Mm -hmm. um And like, it's our calling to be there for him to take the tools and the information that we learn from the doctors, from the therapists and customize it specifically for him, because not only is Jackson looking at like, okay, his brain is going to be potentially remapped to make it unique from anyone else's in the world. But beyond that, even more so. He won't have those, those more predictable patterns and neural pathways that other, other children do who go through this surgery because of his diagnosis specifically. Mm -hmm. And so it will like nothing in his brain will be like anyone else's in the world, in the universe which is his superpower. I mean, his brain is already like that. But, and there was this point where I realized like, okay, we really have to honor this experience as caretakers and space holders. Like, first of all, I'm so eternally grateful for you and for, for everyone in my community in this space in this like on this journey with me all like here to witness and help me process everything that's happening because like i don't know how i would get through this without that spiritual and energetic support from my community and from like the universe and our and our guides and the angels and i just um i know very clearly that like this is a path that i'm on that is different than everyone else in my family and so it's a calling really for us to all get our shit together and like because if we aren't taking care of ourselves we cannot in any capacity be there for him in the way that he needs and um he's you know, taking care of a little human with superpowers is exhausting. It's, it, it takes super energy, <laughs> you know? And so there was this moment where I could really feel like, okay, there needs to be a, a system in place that, you know, I can create with my sister, where we have not only a container to acknowledge and name everything that's coming up for us in this process, because it's going to be a fucking lot and, t- and to let go of it. But also the ability to and the responsibility to. Like, tap on each other's shoulders and be like, yo, I got to tap out. I am burned the fuck out. Like, I need someone else to step in for however long until I can come back and I'm regulated and I'm rested and recharged and like I know that sounds simple but it's going to be so fucking hard because there is this like when you have this little human in front of you this like little gorgeous baby <laughs> you just don't ever want to leave their side in a situation like this cuz you just don't know what is to come um and also if we find ourselves focusing too much on this projection of what this journey should be for him and we try to will him back to that puzzle piece we are allowing our the consumption of our own experiences to pull us away from the only thing that matters In this entire journey, which is connecting with Jackson, seeing Jackson for who he is, where he is, wherever this journey goes. And it was this like the fact that, like, when I tuned in with his energy, that it was this like really immutable, it was never, it was so high frequency and there was so much just animation and movement and it was never solid. And like, it was like, it became so clear to me in that moment, realizing that like seeing him for where he is, wherever and whatever's coming up in whatever capacity, it's never going to feel tangible, it's never going to feel solid, it's never going to be like check that box,
1: mm-hmm.
0: where We did that, it's never going to be the plan or the order that we want it to be. It's always evolving and changing and shifting, and but like in that in that stepping into his world and sharing that experience with him like we have the honor then of experiencing his gifts and if we can't do that it's our loss like it it just so much came through in this journey and I was so grateful for it and like but fuck, man
1: (laughs) yeah I feel like as you were talking God, man, I what I kept on seeing was almost kind of like Jackson, sort of being almost like a nucleus or almost like a tree of life in himself, and everybody circling around him. You know, yeah, almost we're on Jackson's like, path now. Exactly, and and it's it, it's like this, oh my God, beautiful but fucking scary invitation to let go of all the different illusions of safety. And knowing that anybody has ever had before, you know, like, and you're making me think about, you know, like when my, you know, friends, my sister-in-law, like when babies are born and they start their checkups and things like that. And there's these like little milestone sort of markers that tell you if your child is, you know healthy on the path or, you know, towards like what we would probably quote unquote define as like normal, you know, like within the ballpark of like, this is how, you know, tall they're supposed to be. This is how much they're supposed to weigh at this point, you know, and as a parent, I keep on hearing, you know, again, my inner circle of friends who are all mothers say like, well, my child's like, you know, below the, you know, the the norm or the average percentile, da, 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 whatever it may be. And th- the fear that comes through whenever they experience or say something like that, you know, and just the worry, the worry that like, oh, my my child's not meeting those markers. And just what's so interesting about this is like <laughs> Jackson and just his being like who he is, is just here to like shatter all of those markers and again it's like these illusions of like normalcy or safety that we all somehow ascribe to that is essentially kind of like status quo like you know i mean this is the safety marker of status quo like i'm safe if i'm within this you know like i don't know like marker i don't i don't know what better words to use by then but like everything that you're describing is like, holy moly. I feel like it is the hardest, I think, lesson for any individual, let alone family to learn together. But even as you're describing the system, you're like, it's got to be a system. It's This is not a one person or even two people couple kind of dynamic that's going to be able to sustain this life and this relationship and everything that jackson needs it's like it almost feel like the words it takes a village sounds too trite even you know but what you're describing as this like a network of people who are all like in love with jackson you know who love him so dearly coming together to support one another i mean he's he literally is like I keep on seeing like a magnet of love, you know, for all of you guys totally drawing that love out. And it is, it is through the grief. It is, it's, the grief is like where that love is shown, you know? And so just even what you were saying, like you're, the need for each of you guys to hold each other and especially some of the older generations, like your mother and, you know, maybe even your dad, um, Holding them through their grief, because I think the the wounded response is to blame and is to be in judgment and, and to, like, not feel, you know, because it is so hard. It's so painful. If you're in the midst of a life transition, a death portal, I'm talking to you. Congratulations on your initiation into a big transformation. I created my death-rebirth mentorship program to companion you through this death portal, shedding relationships, careers, patterns of behavior, aspects of your personality that no longer serve. For 13 weeks, I walk right next to you as you learn to be with the sensations of your body, facing your fears, your wounds, your anger, shame, grief. You learn how to befriend and soften your inner critic. You discover the root of your scarcity, your fears of abandonment and failure. You release the unresolved charge from ancestral and developmental wounds. You start to see the signs and nudges from the universe, the unseen nature. You suddenly realize you are never walking alone. You begin to hear your body's messages through sensation and emotion. You become your inner child's BFF. You become whole again. You recognize your gifts and begin to realign to the values of your infinite and essential being. You get clear by bravely walking through this death portal. You develop a trust and a belief that allows you to fully surrender into your most easeful, powerful expression of you. Go to tripwithellen.com and sign up for a free discovery call. Listeners of Mom get $250 off if you mention this podcast during our call. Thank you for the honor of witnessing, companioning, and guiding you through this death and rebirth.
0: yeah yeah everything you're saying is a thousand percent like just i feel like that's what i'm constantly thinking about these days um and i can't believe six weeks ago i was like yeah i'm on my way back to california i'm just (laughs) gonna like coast there until december blah, blah blah um but you know it's so interesting too because with that like i can feel already that one of the hardest things about this process for everyone is going to be the communication around what Jackson needs what's best for Jackson and you know as his parents what more my sister and my brother-in-law need and and because you know we got this news and then when we found out okay like the evaluation we're going to go get the evaluation done you know, my parents were like, well, we'll go with you. We'll go to, you know, we'll fly to La Quinta and we'll just be there on call if you need Like, but well, I was like, there goes my alone time. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and Ben and my brother-in-law's parents, his, they wanted to be there too. And Morgan was like, yeah, I totally understand that. But then she was like, okay, wait, all of a sudden she was like, whoa, this is too much. Because here's the thing. It's like, we don't know. Right. And there is so much love around him. Everyone wants to help, but, at a certain point it's more important that we're being honest about what is best for jackson and what is best for his parents because like we're on jackson's path this is his journey and so you know i i had a conversation with my sister about like all right let's take some time take a few days and really sit and think through like all of the scenarios that you can think of in going out to California because you know it's like okay they might do the test and then just stay and do the surgery they might do the test and then decide to have the you know the surgery conversation later they might do the test go home schedule the surgery in you know a month or six weeks and then come back and I was like really just think about those scenarios and having the family there and then you tell us what is the most what is the least stressful for you Mm -hmm. and we will all accommodate accordingly and i had the same conversation with my parents and i was like yo because you know they're so they jump in so quick like i'm gonna be there it's like time out dude this is not about you this is not about me it's not about what we want this is about what Morgan and Ben need, what is best for their family and what is gonna be best for Jackson. And so we will accommodate accordingly to what they ask for. And should things change, knowing things will inevitably change, we will be available when they need us, where they need us. And that is the best thing we can do for them. And if that means, you know, They're maxed out. They can't have these conversations anymore with the rest of the family, and they need two days of not talking to us. They get fucking two days of not talking to us. If, you know, Morgan needs me to drop everything in the middle of the night and help her with Jackson, then I'm going to drop everything in the middle of the night and help her with Jackson because, in some way, shape, or form, which remains to be seen, like we will have the ability to, you know, tap each other on the shoulder and say, yo, I got to tap out right now. Yeah. And know that that's going to be reciprocal.
1: Um, you know, what you're describing to me is the, like the word it's like, you're like a special needs family doula. <laughs> that's <laughs> really what like- it is. You know, I
0: was thinking, actually, ironically, you know how much I fucking hate talking about my bio. So (laughs) I'm like looking at your form and I was like, God damn it, the first thing you asked for is my bio. I was like, I guess I gotta write that again. Like But I was thinking about it and I was like, who am I being called to serve here? And it's everyone in like the best way possible. But it it really is, it's like, there's the illusion that the things that we do don't affect the people around us and our loved ones, especially in times of uncertainty like this is false. It's so false. Like everything we do affects one another. And so like, really, I feel like I'm like, <laughs> the image I'm being shown right now is like, like a black widow, like pulling a web together, but they don't spin those, you know, those circular webs. They do these triangle webs that come down and they connect to different points. It's like everyone is a nucleus, right? My parents, my brother in law's family, Morgan and Ben. And it's like I'm weaving this nucleus between them. Um, and it, yeah, it does feel a lot like that.
1: <laughs> and it really, can only be you. That's what I'm seeing too. I I really feel like this journey that you and I have been on in our own self-healing and discovering our own, our healing gifts, our medicine, all this stuff has been sort of like preparing you slowly, slowly, slowly to step into this role as a special needs doula, you know? Because what I'm hearing you talk about is you are advocating like first and foremost for jackson right like everything is in service of jackson which means that everything has to be in service of his two primary caretakers his two parents you know and everybody else becomes kind of like part of that support system but secondary and having to navigate the tendencies that we all have when we are In fight or flight, in survival mode, in our wounds, you know, freaking out because it's not, it doesn't feel safe, and it feels like everything's blowing up, and we're terrified that we we may be losing this, you know, beloved family member, you know, all the things, right? All the scary storylines that fly through our heads that cause us to say things that end up we that we end up saying or like showing up in ways that are perhaps, you know very myopic and just in our wounds and not necessarily supportive. So being that advocate is so important. And also, I think just even going back to something that you said about like, this very much is like the grief, like, and and your relationship to the universe, your relationship to all of this. I mean, it speaks very much to all the work that you've done already, but like trusting, like you got this incredible look at, who Jackson is energetically through this journey and it surpasses anything that you've probably ever witnessed that anybody has ever really witnessed. He's like, I, I, the word prototype keeps on wanting to come through. He's a prototype, you know, he's like a new kind of little being like, yes, he's human, but it's like, he holds energy differently than anybody else. And so there is, I don't know. I think there's, There's always this this tendency to fear that because it seems, quote unquote, abnormal. And yet, what if he has progressed beyond where all of us are, you know, in some way? Yeah. And we just don't know it, you know? So the the irony of all of
0: this is that I was telling you about that show that I stumbled across, Touched, um, with Kiefer Sutherland in it. And in that show his child is this incredibly gifted child who thinks he discovered on his own the god sequence which is in essence what fractals are based off of right and he's connected to the quantum field and he communicates he you know at the beginning of the show he's 11 years old and he's never said a word but he communicates with his father through numbers because that's how he sees that he's so advanced, like that he sees the quantum connections between everything. And I get very much the sense that this is going to be Jackson's path, that we are so lucky to have this beautiful being in our lives that we have the honor of receiving some of his gifts. And, and does that mean it's gonna be easy? Like, fuck no. That minute when I felt trapped in that cube and I was like, felt trapped in my body, I was like, this is gonna be a hard road, like make no mistakes about it. But there, the other thing that I took away from this journey is that like his light is so bright, his frequency is so powerful and strong and that like, no matter what happens in his body, Jackson's always there. And I know like a very real part of this experience for everyone is like, okay, if you have a child or any loved one who goes through a brain surgery, there's a real risk of like their personality changing. And so in a way it is this like very tangible death and rebirth, right, but also, like i know in my soul that he's always there he's his essence will never change like his gifts will never change like even if things physically change for him like this is his gift to us and it is up to us to like help him build the bridge between this this experience this beautiful incredible expansive experience that he's going to have in this world and this 3d world that we know that's so limited um and it's going to take a lot to figure out how to navigate that but like what an honor to be able to know someone who can share like a little piece of that with us in a way that we even in the most powerful experiences will never be able to fully experience in this life the way he does.
1: Yeah. I feel like in so many ways, he's kind of like the little invitation in this little tiny baby body for all of you guys to like let go and shed what, I don't know, the word like dying to normalcy, like dying to what is perceived as like a quote unquote healthy normal life to open up to something that is even greater, you know? And I don't know, it's like you're actually making me think about death in a whole new way when it comes to these like deaths that we experience in life, like life transitions and things like that. It really, all of it, actually is a death to what we perceive as normal it's a death to a known way of life or a death to a known familiar way of being. um, or a way of seeing the world and like you and your family are going through this massive collective death together supporting each other through this this letting go of like what probably were expectations or hopes that, you know, Jackson would have a particular kind of life and, and whatever that, those, the description of what that life is being dictated by what our culture tells us, you know, about what is quote unquote normal, what a healthy normal child should act or be, or, you know, again, I don't know, it's, it's like such a, it's an incredible invitation
0: yeah yeah and it's so like my sister and brother-in-law have been so inspirational through this whole process i mean like make no mistake something like this happens to a loved one especially a child that you love and like every adult around them is trigger city oh god oh my god
1: (laughs) i can't the opinions i'm
0: sure are like flying Oh my gosh, like there's this really funny story my dad told me once when he and my mom were watching Jackson that Jackson crawled up to their German Shepherd, who's this very sweet dog, and he just, he got excited, and he's still learning how to communicate in way in this 3D world, right, because he exists outside of it, and and so he walked up to the dog and he just slapped the dog, and the dog just like <laughs> yelped and got up and ran away, and like, And I asked my parents how they responded to that. And he was like, well, we told him, no, he can't do that. And he was like, you know, and I was like, well, what did he do? And he goes, Jackson does this really funny thing where he bends down and he like folds in half and cries when he's sad or like upset about something. And so that's what he did. And but then, you know, it's also a process of everyone in the family giving ourselves so much fucking grace around learning with Jackson because we're you know morgan and i are sitting with his his therapist the other day um his early intervention therapist, and they were playing with him and we're trying to teach him not to throw rocks because when he gets excited then he throws rocks at people or golf balls or whatever he's got in his <laughs> hand because he's excited or he's mad you know it's like a form of communication for him right now and um so he was throwing things at them and they just did not respond at all and they just said okay we're gonna like Oh, you're, you have that now? Like, look, I have this stick, I'm going to tap, 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 and like tap the ground instead. Or like, you know, dribble, dribble, dribble the rocks or the sand and, you know, sweep, sweep, sweep the sand away after you put it in your hand. Don't throw it at somebody's face. Um, Like all the like adorable things that children do. (laughs) But um, they were explaining like, it's not fair to him to tell him no, don't do that. Because then for him, He's thinking, okay, well, if I can't do that, what can I do?
1: Mm-hmm. And you have to
0: show him what to do.
1: Like an alternative. And
0: yeah, and it's not about, you don't want him to feel ashamed or upset about what just happened because there's, he's learning and we're learning. Like there's no need for a reprimand. Sometimes you might have to like block him, you know, you don't want him to slap the dog, you don't, you know, you don't want somebody to get a rock thrown at them. But, but, without shaming without upsetting you know like there's no reason to like reprimand because also cognitively that he he understands yeah i've done something i shouldn't have but he doesn't understand why or you know like make that connection and so like we're learning as much as he is along with him and just the there's so many places where, you know, like, honestly, I'm so grateful for his therapist, because we've had some bad therapists, but we've had some really incredible therapists, you know, a couple of them, who have really just been a guiding light for us in this process. And the thing, the amount of information that they've taught us, and like, just the way I see the world now is completely different in the way I see children interacting with the world and playing and developing like, things that I never would have known before and like just remembering that like yeah we're not always gonna fucking get it right for him because there is no path laid out before us this he like we have to let him guide us and you know that's that it's okay to make mistakes and we'll just correct them. And so, you know, like when I had that conversation with my parents, I, was like, I took that away in my little pocket. And then when a week later I have a conversation with his therapist, I learned what we're actually supposed to do in those converse in those situations, bring that information back to my parents so that we can all help him in collectively in the same supportive ways. And that doesn't mean that my, you know, like, I love my parents to death, but they are, change is hard, you know? <laughs> change is hard. And I have to like find myself constantly reminding them, like you, you are comparing this situation to your experience of us being children, but we were not special needs children. We were on a different path. Like this is your, you have to erase that, erase any expectations, erase any projections and just e, a a sponge and absorb and learn and engage
1: so in whatever humbling. way he needs you to. Yeah. Yeah. It's really humbling. And yeah, Yeah. I'm I'm also seeing like the opportunity for each of you guys to, I mean, this is going to require so much patience and compassion for each other, you know, because there really isn't, there's like, I don't know, it's, I almost kind of see it as like, there's really no mistakes. It's just some things are going to work better than others, you know? And what I find so beautiful and also really painful is that everybody's on square one together, you know, for better or worse. It's like everybody is learning alongside nobody's better or more skilled or an expert in this. Like in some ways, even your mother having gone through raising three kids, you know, has to go back to square one and relearn all of this stuff in a completely new way. Um, which I don't know, I I just feel like, again, I know there's, there's gonna be those like sharp points and like those, you know, really difficult moments, but also how beautiful that everybody gets to support each other in relearning, like y'all are all in school together, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing that I've been finding, like, not just, not just now, especially now, but, um, throughout the last year, even year and a half since Jackson's die initially died was diagnosed is it's like the universe, like you cannot coexist in a system or a family structure like this without being able to ask for what you need and ask for help. And like, asking for help I don't care what anybody says is like the hardest conditioning to overcome. I I truly believe like we are all taught to be self-sufficient. We are all taught not, you know, figure things out on your own, you know, self, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps bullshit blah blah blah. And like don't make waves keep your head down oh especially if you've been a caretaker for anyone else like oh i my needs don't matter blah blah you know and it's like there's a big difference between what i said earlier in what we want doesn't matter and our needs not mattering like our needs are paramount because if we are not caring for ourselves and able to say hey i'm burned out i need time away from everyone right now or i need someone else to tap in or like, Hey, you know, just even practicing these little moments of, Hey, I know you don't think you need help right now, but ask for it anyway in something that feels really small, even if you don't feel like you need it just to get, so that we can like get used to just supporting each other in more in deeper ways. And when a big ask comes in, where maybe there's a lot of guilt felt around not being able to show up and be present the way we want to in that moment comes that moment of asking for help is going to be a lot harder than the like, Hey, you know, I've got this doctor's appointment. You don't need to come with me, but would you like to, could you, you know? And then it's like every little time that you do it, it, I don't know that it gets easier, but you become more aware of the need for it and you become more open to acknowledging it when it really matters.
1: And receiving it, right? Without the guilt and the shame. God, that guilt and the shame is so real. And like what you're describing is such a need for any caretaking. Like I'm even thinking of like, you know, when my mom gets older and, you know, becomes like, unable to care for herself. And she's so stubborn right now and independent about that. Like It's really hard for her to receive help. But when she gets to that place where she can't, she has no other choice. Like I know already that there's going to be points where I'm, or my brother or my sister, whoever is there is going to burn out like crazy. And to be able to ask for that support is like, I mean, it's everything. It's, it's, you know, yeah. So I feel like that's really actually a really super important lesson and point.
0: Yeah. And like, again, easy for me to say really, really, really fucking hard to do, especially like we find, I find ourselves having these conversations with, um, well, I, I should say I find myself having conversations with my parents sometimes where it's like, you know, I notice some my mom is limping or you know her back is hurting or whatever it is and it's or her shoulder is sore and you know we ask her to take it easy but then in response to that instead of taking it easy she doesn't talk about it because she doesn't want us not to let her have the time with the kids where when when i i know like her focus goes to oh if they don't think I can carry the baby then they won't let me spend time with the baby you know um and like when really the reality of what we're actually concerned about is like yo mom you taking care of yourself because like we need you around for a while here
1: yeah yeah
0: (laughs) and we need to make sure that like you're okay too and it is an incredibly difficult process with everyone to learn to ask for help um or acknowledge when they need a break but with i think my parents generation especially like you know i've seen morgan and ben there again they're such an inspiration they've done incredible things like their strength and their resilience through this has been like nothing short of remarkable um, and really profound and like all these hard things i see I see little changes all the time when I'm with them of these like active, beautiful forward steps that they're taking, knowing that they're doing it for Jackson. But then my parents are like one step removed from that, right? And so it's a different conversation with them. And it is, so it, goes, it does kind of go back to like the whole, <laughs> like a special needs family doula, like, yeah. because-
1: Multi-generational. <laughs>
0: Yeah, you, the the conversations aren't the same. And and that conditioning and that trauma, it is man, especially for our parents generation, like that shit runs deep. Oh my god,
1: yeah. Yeah. And in some ways, I you know, we kind of have to give up the them fully letting go of their trauma sometimes you know what i mean and just meet them where they're at and allow them to be in their wound you know and and it becomes almost like an act of self-preservation to to like see the little wounded child that they're acting from or that's still within them and say okay you know like i can love you and let you kind of say and be and act in the way that you need to instead of like freaking out the way i have a tendency to <laughs> whatever. like i'm with my mom you know yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah
0: there's i find myself doing a lot of that and having a lot of conversations with my sister and brother-in-law too around like like something will come up and it'll you know I'll hear like, I don't know what it is. I'm just seeing red every time I talk to mom, you know, and it's like, okay. Yeah, I totally get that. Here's what I'm observing. Like, you need to give yourself space. Like, I need to have a conversation with mom so that she is like, allows you that space and takes that step back while not taking it super personally but also you know it's like that's always the place where it's like what seed are we going to plant hey mom this is like this is why these things roll out this way let's try navigating it differently this here let's try navigating it differently there you know like at my grandfather's memorial there was a moment where she was really frustrated with everyone after we first got there and my dad and my mom and i were sitting in the room together and my dad said you're mad at me because I'm not doing what you want me to do, but you're not telling me what you want me to do. So I'm in trouble either way. And so we just sat down and I, and I was like, okay, this is a really good time for us to just like, we're just going to listen. We're here as support mom. What does help look like for you?
1: Oh, that's beautiful. Let's
0: articulate this. Let's get really clear about it so we can show up for you the way you need us to right now. And like finding the words is so much of the battle. Yeah.
1: Oh my gosh. It's like not, it's like a muscle that's never been used. you know. And so you're like, it feels awkward almost. And like, kind of like there's resistance in even wanting to go there sometimes, you know, but God, how beautiful that you gave her that invitation. That I actually have to remember that from my own mom too. Like, yeah, there's just so much, there's so much compassion that I'm witnessing in you being literally in the middle of this constellation this family constellation each of which has their own needs but well trust and believe i am not always <laughs> as gracious <laughs> as i want to be
0: <laughs> there were times where i walked away from my parents and i was like Whew, i really got to sit with that for a minute because holy shit, was i triggered
1: <laughs> i mean this is also why i appreciate our relationship so much because <laughs> that's just real you know like yeah it- you're not going to show up the quote unquote perfectly, you know, you're not going to show up with like full on, just like chill grace, like every single month. I mean, no, there's also things that we're learning through these situations too, you know? So yeah.
0: Yeah. uh, And sometimes like a place to express that anger or frustration is actually what is required a container where it's safe to do that without like blowback and projection and you know resentment because if we don't express those things that is what builds resentment if we don't ask for what we need that does also builds resentment and so like in you know resentment is like in my opinion the worst thing that the worst seed that can be planted in a time of grief for a community or a family and that's not on anyone else to know what we need. It's not on anyone else to take on the burden of our anger or our frustration. But that container to express it in in a safe space is required to let it go. So we're not carrying it forward. And so I, yeah, it is just like such a balance of like making sure that we're doing that. So we're not carrying the weight of those things. But not letting that be consume our experience of the gift that is in front of us that we're moving forward with.
1: Yeah. I feel like that I'm actually going to sit with that for a little bit because you're so right. It's and this is such a timely conversation too. You know, like as I feel like we are in a moment of big transition in the collective, like there is a lot of grief that is present that is unnamed, you know, and in the not naming and the not feeling and not expressing it's completely unresolved. And yeah, that should becomes a cancer sometimes yeah. literally. So, you know, yeah. so ugh, I can't thank you enough for sharing all of this, like, in the spirit of this <laughs> podcast, there are five questions that I would love for oh us God. to end on. Okay. <laughs> and rapid just, fire. I just feel like there's just such, there's so much medicine that you delivered in sharing everything. So I just, I can't thank you enough, like, especially just how to manage multi-generational grief that's concurrent. Like, yeah,
0: I mean, thank you so much for giving me the space, this container to process and integrate even like what I'm going through. Because, you know, on the flip side of it, as someone even on the journey and like, there i know there are many people who may hear this transmission who may you know really feel like this aligns with them but like there's a piece that i have around knowing like jackson's his essence his frequency his beautiful soul is like always present in there no matter what his physical experience is going to be and that i know whatever direction we go whatever decision my sister and my brother-in-law make about what's best for their families is the right path. And we're on Jackson's path and like that, even in witnessing all of the grief in my family and everyone processing it differently, like almost gives me a little bit of grief for not feeling that kind of grief, like for having this peace and ease around that knowing, but I also know like this is, what my whole journey has been for. Oh and like my God. this is why I had the gift of that peace and that knowing. Because I've been practicing for it since we left. Since we left our j- corporate jobs, you know, like having no idea that this is what it was what it was all for, but now I know.
1: And you holding that is medicine that your family It's like a well that your family each of them get to dip into and have access to you know like god i I don't even want to imagine what would be happening if you weren't present you know not that this is all on your shoulders but everybody has this beautiful divine role to play in this whole thing you know and i think you've really named and been able to identify that piece that you're playing for your family, too, which is so necessary,
0: sometimes received better than others. (laughs) Yeah, totally.
1: (laughs) Which is part of it, too. (laughs) Yeah. All right. At the end of your life, what is the final meal that you would want to eat?
0: Mm, some sort of like baked macaroni and cheese. I love macaroni and cheese.
1: That sounds so good right now. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What song or sound do you want to hear as you take your final breath?
0: My loved one's laughing.
1: Mm. I love that. What is one sensory experience you're going to miss so much on this earth?
0: Just the sounds of being silent in nature being silent around my niece and nephew, and just like listening to them experiencing the world to the animals experiencing the world and like having the honor of being that witness.
1: I felt that one deep. <laughs> what is something you want to leave as your legacy for the next generation? It could be an object, a thought, anything.
0: An open mind, mm. and compassion to whatever experience anyone else is having without judgment like if Jackson's journey has taught me anything that is it
1: finally if you could start this life all over again what's one thing you would do differently
0: oh hands down i would have moved to california immediately (laughs) and not waited (laughs) until my late 20s
1: (laughs) I mean, some would say that that's pretty early, too, but <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> oh, my God. I love you so much. Thank you so much for being Thank here. Thank you for having me. This is, I'm going to be sitting with this for a while because I feel like there's a lot of nuggets in here that I know my situation is very different, but it's so it's all applicable. It's yeah. all applicable to the death and the grief. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening and joining in our conversation. Mom is produced by Trip with Ellen with so much joy and so much gratitude for bringing these intimate stories to you. If you enjoyed this episode, please follow us on your preferred podcast app and take the time to leave us a review. This ensures that we can continue to sustain our production through your support, which opens up new monetization streams for us. Follow us on Instagram at momthepod. See you at the next episode. Until then, remember, every death offers a portal to life.